It's always cloudy in Cleveland. Brought to you in part by Rusco Sports Twitter. We have all the hit news about Cleveland sports. Uh... All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in today. I'm Junior here with my boy, Natty Ice Breezy. Special guest today, Jody, drinking at, getting at you live from Lakewood, Ohio. So today we're going to talk a little bit about Cleveland sports, talk about our brownies. Um, boys, let's start off with the Browns. You know, we started off the season, big game, home versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, monsoon, Hurricane Chuck or whatever it is now. Breezy, talk to me. What were your thoughts on the game? I want to start off by saying Muni Lot was in midseason form. The fans came out. They were loud and proud, drinking a couple cold yellow pops. It was great. Yeah, I, I was a little on the fence about going to the Muni. We were talking about going to the bars. Glad we ended up going to the Muni. A lot of the faithful out there. The rain wasn't too bad, um, but it was a good time. Yeah, I was actually over at the pit, and uh, we were under the bridge. My buddies came up, and they got there like seven seven thirty or whatever, and I got down probably about 9.30. I'm not even joking. These kids probably 19 years old, just openly blowing yayo in their car, like not even trying to hide it, just right in front of us. And I'm just like, all right, I guess what the kids do nowadays, am I right? I'm more of a porta potty, muni lot yayo kind of guy, so I try to be a little bit more classy with it. Yeah, but you be classy. I feel it. I I kind of bitched out this past week, and I saw the I saw the weather report, and I decided to stay indoors. But I did go to a bar, and I was there uh, from 10 a.m. to about 5 p.m. So you're not a true fan, is what you're saying. <laughs> He's a Tanchik fan. I mean, how do you blame him? He said it's the worst weather that he's ever seen in 17 years of covering the Browns. When Jeff Tanchik says that, you don't like go against that. You got to take his word. Or Dick Goddard. Who are you a bigger I don't fan care. of? Dick Goddard or Tanchik? I got I to go with Dick. I love Dick. I don't care if God <laughs> spoke to me in my dream and told me to build an ark and to gather all of your friends in twos and all the roughest dogs in the dog pound in twos onto your ark. I would be at the Muni, park my fucking ark, Shotgun some brujas, brujaha, get real weird. So, rain or shine, I'm always down for the Browns. Always down to clown. Win or lose, you know we still booze. But let's get into the the important part. What happens if we tie? Oh, touche. Then we die. Then we just get on the arc, dude, and we we go to Australia and just root for them for yeah. the the kangaroos and Noah's arc's looking pretty good right about now. Yeah. All right, anyhow, so let's talk about the game. Uh, the weather was pretty shitty. The ball was slick. It was raining. Hugh claims that didn't really have anything to play with the game. Um, I, I thought we came out very slow, very soft, both teams. They started picking up the speed a little bit, big tempo. I'm just going to fast forward third quarter, 21-7. to I'm about ready to leave after sneaking into the club seats, drinking a bunch of booze, eating so much food. I'm ready to leave. All of a sudden, I'm heading in the tunnel. The fans are cheering. Jabril Peppers made the interception, took it to the goal line. We get back in the game and then end up uh, tying it up. Jabril? You talking about Schober or are you talking about Randall? Was, yeah, Jabril was basically irrelevant the whole game, just saying. He did try to get a fight with uh, number 21 on the Steelers. To be fair, the Landry fight. To, to be, be fair, fair to be I was fair. walking in the tunnel. And then I just saw a bunch of guys hooting and hollering. I believe it no, was, it was a, actually is a the Miles. Yeah, it was the Miles Garrett fumble. But no, no, no. But no, no. the real, the real faithful fans. When, saw it, when it was, was twenty-one fumble. to seven, I think that was overtime. And we brought it to the goal line. No, it was twenty-one to seven. We just got back in the game. No, that was when I was. Gosh, how drunk were you, man? All right, we're gonna go back to that. But let's just talk about what we thought about the play, the players on the field. Anybody want to chime in? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here. I, I have an interesting stat for you guys that I was listening to today. Did you know that Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor has never been under 50% completion percentage in his entire career until this game? Well, That's not a joke. It's hard to throw be under 50% when you throw the ball 12 times a game. All right, that's just a lie, but I can. if you want to take a knock on his short throws, you can do that. But at the same time, that's still a crazy stat that I was shocked when I saw that. I meant 12 times, not 12-yard throws. Attempts, bro. He means that historically, Terod doesn't throw the ball that much in the game. That's why irrelevant. it's irrelevant. That's absolutely relevant. Thank you, Junior. So, would you say that's more of an impact on, or more of a direct cause from the offensive line, or from just the weather conditions that day? I think it's a little of both. I mean, you can't 
possibly like Hugh Jackson's out of his mind. Was it a perfect storm? (laughs) Oh, no, but I I do think that Hugh Jackson completely just said that for no reason. I mean, obviously the weather did play a factor. Ben Roethlisberger looked just as bad as Terod Taylor, and he's obviously a proven quarterback in this league. So you got to blame the weather, and it's always the opening game, so he's a little nervous as well. Each team, the weather, I think the weather – decided how the game was being played each team was kind of playing sluggish and I feel like each team was playing to the other team's you know tempo so I just think the weather was the one that initiated that and then each team kind of played sluggish fed into one another and that's when we just kind of got a shit house, which made me impressed that we were down 21 to 7 in the fourth and we still came back given how shitty the game was being played and also how poor the weather was well, I think it just started off with each team was just feeling each other out. It was the first game of the year. The Browns have a whole new roster. They don't know each other. But when it came down to it, I know we're down 21-7, but that's when the big players stepped up and made big plays. It, when, it, when you need a touchdown, you threw it to Josh Gordon. When you needed a turnover, Miles Garrett's in the backfield making plays. Yeah, and the one thing about listening to sports radio, being a Clevelander this week, waiting for this next game to come on, everyone's like, oh, it ties just as bad as a loss, this and that. But I think people have to realize we were looking at adversity right in the dick hole, down 21-7, to and we still were able to come back in the fourth quarter as shitty as the weather was and tie the game versus the 13-3 and Pittsburgh Steelers from last year. That's not an easy feat. The fact that we were able to come back, granted we should have won, I think is something to be said for as we make way to New Orleans this upcoming week. Breaking news. So I did just find out that it was a forced fumble by Miles Garrett, picked up by Jabril Peppers, and almost taken to the end zone. Fair I'm, enough. I'm 99% sure I was blacked out at that point because I don't remember that. So I wasn't too – like Jabril Peppers was – I remember him making way to the goal line. I knew that was a thing. And then later in the game was the Miles Garrett pressure – QB throws it. Joe Schobert catches it. That was when it was tied 21-21, which ended up leading into a blocked, insane in the membrane Gonzalez field goal. You're right, Jay. Will I sit corrected? Pretty sure that's when my brother took off his shirt and started celebrating. Yeah. So let's just take a Zach Morris timeout. So we're in the dog pound. It's 21-21. This is where it's kind of going. Like overtime kind of started. Everyone's juices are going. It's downpouring. Everyone's soaked. So, Breezy's little brother, just a kid, barely 22, uh, T-Swift style, he proceeds to take off his shirt, swing it around his head, and it's just downpouring. It was it was just, I mean, he just had to be there, but it was just like, Cleveland Browns football is back. Like, you felt it. We felt like we were in the game, and it, it was awesome. I don't know. Did you guys happen to see the whole, like, what I was talking about before, the Landry fight with uh, Burns? Did anybody see Todd Haley on the sideline? Todd Haley stepped in and defended dude, his player what a, like a what fucking boss. what an absolute boss. fucking legend. Dude. This dude comes in and starts talking shit like he's a player. And also, Jabril Peppers did the same exact thing. He's getting in number 21's face. I thought it was Joe Hayden, so I got really excited. And then I had to look up the number. Joe Hayden's 23 there, too, so it wasn't him. But I just loved seeing the whole, the team get into it. I think one thing that this Browns team has that no team has had before is some grit to them, which really gets me excited. I mean, you have Landry, you have Jabril. You have – I mean, you just have a lot of guys in this team that are willing to fight for them rather than just being the puss wagons we've been dealing with for the last few years. Yeah, you got to love seeing that too. Just Todd Haley having the players back against his former team, mind you, and also Jabril Pepper stepping up too. Even on the opposite side of the ball, just seeing that, you got to love that. The one thing I will say about Todd Haley, you guys are preaching on him. Did you see when Antonio Brown went to give him a hug and he hugged him back? I'm guessing you guys didn't see that on the sideline. I, I get that. You're you're um def- I, I wanted him to push him away and just you know, hey, well why he didn't you, he, he didn't he, do anything about it. He he pretty he much likes him. he coached up. Yeah, but Antonio he, hey, Brown. I'll hug you at the end of the game. Get the fuck off my sideline. I mean, but think think about this. You're you're a coach, you you've seen a player you see that you developed. Hugging, you that, that's a direct result of you. You developed that player. There's plenty of time to kiss and hug after the game, before the game. I don't want to see it during the game. Antonio Brown did it to get in the Browns' face, to hug their OC, and then Todd Haley had to no, that, reciprocate. That's like Ty Lue not hugging LeBron. Antonio Brown got Todd Haley the job and kept the job. So you hugged the guy that got you your money. That's exactly what it is. It wasn't like a nonchalant, like, oh, like after, you know, a, a Like series. an A.J. McCarron and Hugh Jackson? <laughs> no, it was that? just like that. Really? Well, that's what the thing. It was Antonio Brown made a play. 
in front of the sideline. He goes up to Todd Haley and gives him a hug. Like, no, get the fuck out of here. Dude, we'll hug after the game. Who gives a shit? It's not like he's a defensive <laughs> player. Well, you Todd guys Haley's are, not theoretically coaching against Well, you guys around. are tooting his horn for arguing with these players and like, oh, look at him trying dude, to beat Dude, they should argue, ass. but it's different. It's, he's not playing, dude. He doesn't have to be so intense. Why, he has to go fight then, someone. Then he's why, a coach. Then, okay. You got to have mad respect. When do you so, ever see coaches get in other players' faces? That's what we're excited about. How often do you see coaches hugging other players every single game? That happens all the time. We like the 1%, the outlier, the exception. I, okay. Um, I didn't realize it was during the game. That is a little different than before after the Thanks, game. Thanks, Jody. So, I appreciate you having You know, dur- during the game is a little different because you got to be in, like, a different mindset. Okay, this is work. This, these are my enemies. But at the end of the game or before the game, you know, there's time for this them. There's time and a place. But not during. Right. I, I Especially agree. on a momentum play right. where they're bringing the ball down the field and obviously Antonio Brown's trying to get in the heads of the Browns players. Right. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of yeah. it. I'm just stating the facts. I'm just stating what happened. And the fact is, you're just making too much of a big deal about it. That's literally so irrelevant. I just stated a fact that happened. And, and you're trying to make it a thing. Back. It's not a thing. Okay, it's not a thing. Whatever. Move it, forward. Let's just, before we go to the Saints, are, are we saying that this game was fuck we should have won are we taking the good things from it and saying you know what we might be able to stand a chance against a saints defense that gave up 40 some points to 35 year old plus ryan fitzpatrick so i i think everything you could take from week one i think the biggest takeaway is just i want to say a grain of salt but it's the first week you got first game jitters a lot of teams aren't settled in you got new players on each side I think after the first couple of weeks, first few weeks of the season, you can really see what a player's true identity is. Um, that being said, this Pittsburgh and Cleveland game, there were a lot of missed opportunities on both sides of the ball. Uh, Cleveland had a lot of chances to win. Pittsburgh also had a lot of chances to win and also lose. We didn't capitalize on that essentially, but I think we saw some good things, especially on the defensive side. Offense needs to uh, kind of uh, team up together and kind of get back at uh, week two. See, I'm going to go actually a different route. I think it was a fail. I think we had, as we said before, the perfect storm. You have Le'Veon Bell, their you know, most dynamic offensive player out. You also have it raining, so you have their backup running back, where if you look on paper, we should be beating them on the run game with their backup running back versus actually one of our biggest strengths, which is our running backs. So I just think there were so many opportunities for us to win that game. I mean, if we don't get that holding call with that Schobert return, we're inside the 10-yard line. I can kick that field goal. You know what I mean? I just think it was a fail on our end. It was the perfect storm for us to win. That brings me to my point. I mean, think about it. The Cleveland Browns of the past five years, you're down 21-7. to What do you think happens? We're a different team. They just lay down and they give up. And, you know, you're seeing freaking three and outs, punt, and that's all you see the whole game. The right. Cleveland Browns Dude, this of this is, year, they showed some balls. Yeah, but you don't I go back they showed from the some past. balls. You don't go back from the past. That's what I'm saying. That's a Cleveland answer. That's the most Cleveland answer I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, oh, nice, we tied. A tied is a loss. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I, He's I, not, I'm saying not saying the, the tie. tie. I'm saying the fact He's that was a football He's taking away game. what happened in the game. The fact that I'm a, we, we it's established a step it's in the tie. right direction because they did end up tying the game after being down well, you 14 You can only take a fourth. step in the right direction. You can't go backwards. What I'm saying is we should have won. There's no doubt about it. Like, you can always say that in years past, but this is the game that we should have stepped up, won the game, and we should be 1-0 tied with the Bengals and Ravens. But he's saying Brown seems the pass would have lost because they never would have been back in the game in the fourth quarter. The fact that they were able to come back, get put themselves in a position to win the game is a step in the right direction. I honestly think most of the reason we came back was because of the weather. Because you cannot tell me that Roethlisberger was healthy and, and playing well. I mean, healthy, he was healthy, but the weather definitely took a factor in well, Quick, Quick question. Did the you personally g- talk to Roethlisberger and ask him that question? Yeah, we're boys. OU, Miami, we know each other. Well, yeah, not but, like- but to say... The weather was shitty. You're right, and we were still able to put up 14 points with the sh- with the weather being crappy. 21, 14 when it was oh, 21 come to seven. Back, come yeah, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing too. We could talk about the weather too, but all, you know, both teams had to play in the same weather. And the the fact you know we were competitive in the fourth quarter with what eight minutes left. We came back, scored two touchdowns. Um, one with uh, Josh Gordon, his first game back after everything that he's been through. A uh, really good touchdown catch. I mean, that was, he went up for that ball. He grabbed that. He earned that ball, and that was good to see. And uh, Hugh Jackson did announce that he will be in the starting lineup in week two, so that's something to look forward to as well. Wait, can we just rewind? How annoying is this whole segment about the, this Cleveland media? Just, oh, my, Hugh Jackson said he's sitting. Now he's starting? I'm so sick of that. Dude, they, Who they cares, will, Mary Kay? Find, Who yeah. cares? They will find any way to critique Hugh Jackson. Though. That's just the fact of the matter. I mean, to be fair, he deserves a lot of the blame. Agreed. One in, one thirty-one and one, or whatever the hell his record is, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, just for my closing remarks on the first game, 
I think it was a step in the right direction on their ability to bring themselves back in the game to come back and put them in a position to win. The one frustrating thing that was classic old typical Browns to me was the amount of penalties, the lack of um, focus, the lack of um, discipline from the coaches to the players because there was too many plays and mistakes mentally made that I think would have propelled us from the beginning to be in it and really take the game for uh, put us in the driver's seat earlier than later. Drinking Ed with the hot take here. Drinking. I'm just surprised you guys really haven't mentioned Miles Garrett. That's really the reason why they were in the game. He forced a fumble. He caused them to be in the goal line. You know, the Two Red fumbles. Zone. Exactly. And he was just all over their tackle, Villanueva, the entire game. I would say the takeaway is the defense and seeing Miles Garrett really perform it as well as the secondary. And I like to say my outlook right now, my outlook is neutral just because going into the season, I had probably, I had, you know, high hopes and, I think that week one game didn't really change anything. I, I think it aligns right with what I was uh, thinking about the team the whole time. All right, so it seems like we got some mixed feelings coming out of week one. It seems like Ja D, you know, they didn't do enough week one to really give him that hopeful feeling that he had preseason. I think Matty Ice is a little bummed about the tie. He's taking it as a loss. But I think myself and E. Breezy are still taking away the good things. The defense looked good. We were able to face adversity in the dick hole, come back, put us in a position to win. And I think, I mean, looking at playing in a dome, it's like a fresh slate. Like, let's see what we're actually made of. No excuses for the weather. We had a game to learn each other, learn the coaches, figure out how we can actually play on the field. What do we expect out of week two? Do we think the defense is going to continue, you know, their aggressiveness, their toughness, continue to turn the ball over? Do we think the offense is going to take a step in the, the right direction? I personally think that the offense is going to be 10 times better. I think just the extra week of preparation, the fact that Tyrod's going to be able to throw in a controlled setting where it's not pouring rain, maybe he'll be more inclined to take maybe even one or two chances instead of zero. Well, he did take the one. He just underthrew well, yeah, Josh yeah, Gordon I mean, that's, by a mile. At that point, the rain was coming down so freaking hard too, so – I don't know. I, I was actually kind of bummed that New Orleans lost the first game because they were hoping they were going to kind of overlook us. But I think they're going to come out, you know, playing with vengeance after Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick literally owned them last week. So I'm a little bit worried about it. I really am. But um, I do think our offense is going to look 10 times better uh, being in the dome in perfect condition. I, th I think the, the fact that it's going to be a controlled environment will be um, good for the Browns, but also. I mean, over the last few years, the Saints are a different team at home. I mean, they're a high-powered offense. Uh, their defense steps up, too. They they play very well at home, and I think that's going to be a true test of the Browns team, both on offense and defense. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a game, even though it's early in the season, you know, controlled environment, tough task ahead. Um, I think this is a true testament of really giving us a sample size of, you know, this is what this team's actually going to look like. Um Quick question on the floor. If Terod doesn't take the step up, like we all expected the offense to look 10 times better this week, if he doesn't make the steps in the right direction, when do we have this official controversy of the quarterbacks at hand? When do we actually question to put in Baker Mayfield? So b before we answer that, if the Browns win and Tyrod looks decent or average or – if Tyrod balls out and we still lose, what, what what holds more weight for you? Well, I think in either one of those scenarios, he's he's going to be the quarterback. If he plays average or decent and we win, they're going to move forward. The only way he starts his clock starts ticking is once he plays shitty. So if he balls out and we lose, I, he's still going to be the guy. So I, I don't think the clock starts ticking until he has consistent play of shittiness, win or lose. Well, if we win, they're going to keep him in there. But it, it, it's the shittiness factor of when his clock will start ticking and if we keep losing. Well, even if we do happen to get blown out and Tyrod looks awful again this week, they're not going to start Baker next week on the short week preparation for the Jets. It just He won't play till week four or five no matter what. Like, know, no matter how ter see, terrible he does play. I'm, I'm circling week four because I agree with you on the fact that four? they're not going to play him on the short week. But then he has the longer Extendo. extended time to get ready for Oakland. Uh, who doesn't look like they're going to be anything too spectacular this well, year. Do you agree that our line is probably our biggest liability? 
do you put your your future your you know your prize possession out with this line after week four I don't think so because I think the only chance Baker does play is when we're completely out of contention I'm not saying you know you can make the playoffs after 0-3 but at the same time you're not completely down and out like if you were one and six or one and seven, which is I think I think around week seven or eight is going to be the week that Baker could come in if we if you're losing. if you're o two and one you're not making the playoffs like you're out of you're already out of contention. Oh yeah, o two and one. I forgot about the yeah. Already. Uh, but I will say, um, the the thing is with Baker, I think with the in respect to the line, I feel like the line isn't as I was just about bad to say. as people think. Like yeah, it was a bad game. You had a rookie who just started. By week four, he's going to be leaps and bounds better than what he was at left tackle. Remember, Batonio hadn't played preseason at his normal position. These guys are going to start gelling over the next couple weeks. So I think by the time you get Baker in there, they're, they might not be great, but they're going to be serviceable to give him at least enough time for him to, to ball out, hopefully. And just to kind of touch on that real quick about the line, I think they had um, a stat. Uh, Tyrod actually had the seventh the seventh most time uh, this past week uh, in the pocket. So he had the seventh most time to throw the ball in the pocket, and we, we saw what happened. So um, I, th- I think the line is going to be a factor, but I think they, they held up decently, all things considered. A lot of that is because he's a scrambling quarterback, too. you got to remember. you got to remember the stat was in the pocket, Matt. I mean, I guess they didn't teach you that at that specific high school you went to that I won't mention. I went to college. Did you play football in college? Right. So, okay. Flag so football. I think, you know, we definitely yeah. have some flags after week one, some things to look at in week two, but let's go around the circle. Let's make some quick predicts of what we final score. Let's start off with Matty Ice. What do you think the final score is going to be? And if you want to give a little tagline, like along with it to just give like some background to maybe what, what, why you picked your score. I'm going to go with 38-31 Saints. I think both teams are going to come out and have a great offensive game, which is the type of football that we want to see. Um, I just think in New Orleans it's going to be really tough. I think I don't think the Browns are demoralized by any chance, but I think it's more of the fact that the Saints are going to come out, like I said before, looking for vengeance. Breezy? I think it's going to be 31-28 Browns. I'm rocking with my Browns this week. I don't know. I just got that feeling. I got that optimistic I got a feeling. Inside my bones. Inside my bones. It goes electric, baby, when I turn it on. Yeah, you guys know the song. But, yeah, I I just think we're going to come out. We're going to build off last week's performance. Our defense is going to be – they're going to control Drew Brees to some extent, which is not easy to do because he's one of the all-time greats. But I think the offense is going to figure it out. We're going to be able to run the ball. And we're going to just, you know, put some points on the board and keep ourselves in the game till the end when Zane Gonzalez hits a 55-yard field goal to win it. Jody, special guest. Um, just because, you know, the Saints do play better at home, I, I think the, the defense will tighten up, but I'm probably going to go 28-27 Saints. It's going to be a close game. I think Zane Gonzalez is going to kick a few, few, few field goals, but at the end of the day, I think you got to go with the home team on this one. And Drew Brees. Okay. Not bad predicts. I'm going to go – 27 to 24. I think the defense keeps us in the game, but I think Drew Brees outsmarts the D um, and he just balls out at home. I, I like what Maddie I said earlier about this team, you know, being a little bit ticked off about losing to a Tampa Bay team that, you know, was arguably one of the worst three teams going into the season. Um, so I think Drew Brees is going to ball out. I think the defense is going to try to, you know, keep it tight. I don't think Tarod Taylor has enough to get him past Giants like the Saints. Um, so that's where I'm at. All right, gentlemen, let's loosen up a little bit. Yesterday was National Video Game Day. Um, so there's a lot been going on in social media, some lists going on about, you know, what what are your favorite video games throughout the years? I think we all grew up in the N64 era, you know, mid to late 90s growing up. So... Jody's shaking his head at me. He seems pretty excited to talk about his list. So, you know, tell me what were some of your favorite video games growing up? What did you like? What didn't you like maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so definitely N64 was uh, my game system of choice back in the day. Uh, Not sure if you guys played this game, but 1080 snowboarding for N64. Yes. That was a good one. That was actually my dentist's office. He had an N64. And, like, that was the game that was, like, taped in. Like, you couldn't take it out, so I would just ball out at that. That was a fun game. So I had 1080 snowboarding. This list is in uh, no particular order, but 1080 snowboarding. Got to throw in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, the whole the whole series, but, you know, the first one for sure. Great series. 
And have you guys heard of Jet Moto on PlayStation original? No. That one's pretty cool. Zelda, that's a classic. You got to go Zelda. Uh, Goldeneye for N64. Yes. I, I think everyone can agree on that one. Um, All-Star Baseball 99 back in the day. And moving forward, we had a Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2005. Any of the uh, NCAA footballs, actually, in high school. RIP. I made, uh, I made our own high school team. Um, it was our – I created about four players from my high school team back in the day when we went to uh, playoffs. I had a uh, – I'm not going to mention names, you know, just, you know, for the sake of uh, anonymity, but uh, definitely create your own teams was definitely a big factor on there. Madden, you got to go with Madden just because it's a staple. And then also Need for Speed Underground was mine. Southwest. I'm going to piggyback. Um, so I'm going to go with my N64 days. This wasn't a popular game, but if you know – you know, and it was badass. Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Anyone. It was a the bunch crickets? of... Drinking out, do you know Conquer's Bad Fur Day? Yeah. What were the animals? It was like squirrels and... What was it? Like foxes or foxes and squirrels literally blowing each other's heads off. It was the coolest thing. And then there was a nuke at the end of the game if you like stole the flag and brought it to your base. It was the coolest game of all time. Um, it, this is in no order, by the way. You brought up All-Star Baseball 99. The best N64 baseball game of all time is, ha, this is Ken Griffey Jr., and you're playing a Major League Baseball. And none of the players had actual faces on that game at <laughs> it's all. It's showtime. <laughs> call, call, call me, Jr. So that's Ken Griffey Jr. baseball. I think the year was 98, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Good year. Sticking with N64, No Mercy, WWF, great game. Literally was probably the first, like, cool video game in regards to like create player create move set the matches they had dude i would be mashing on the c up button during ladder matches yes and tap, my freaking tap. my thumb would be killing me and i'd never know how to get those finishers because i was just Bro, it, it would hurt so bad like i will bust out the n64 and we will get going got, on it. got trouble finishing there drinking <laughs> um n64 pokemon stadium great game donkey kong 64 the gold game Many hours played um, doing that. Going to the PS2 life, uh, the Grand Theft Auto series was just amazing. My favorite game of the bunch was probably San Andreas, Vice City, close second. Um, you got Dance Dance Revolution, Guitar Hero type games, love those. Um, game also not too popular, very baller, Time Splitters 2. Great game. And then Tiger Woods PGA 2012 Masters Edition on the Wii, mm. though. On the Wii. Actual swing. Yeah. And yeah. then Xbox 360, probably one of my top three favorite games of all time, Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty. Obviously. And then one I, one I forgot to mention, just a classic. You got to go with uh, Super Smash Bros. Definitely. It's a fun jerking game, too. And then my honor, I have an honorable mentions list. Did you just say drinking, drinking game? game. Oh, drinking. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Drinking. Not jer- well, depending on who your friends are. Honorable mentions, Madden 2003. MVP Baseball 04, Street Hoops, Street Hoops, Minority Report. Did you and say Tom- Street Hoes? Yes, Street Hoes. No, Street Hoops, uh, Minority Report, and then Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Nice. All right, I'm going to turn the page over to my boy, Matty Ice. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I was more of like a PlayStation Two guy. So some of these games probably aren't going to be as old as your '90s. I wasn't a big video game guy growing up. I got, I kind of grew into me in late '90s, early 2000s. But um, also computer games. So I'm going to start with uh, backyard sports, backyard baseball, soccer, all of the buzz. Pete Wheeler, he was my boy. Um, Pablo Sanchez. Tony Hawk Underground. You can't forget about Tony Hawk. Two. Too. NFL yeah. Streets. That that was the NFL Street was awesome. Yeah, you could just do game. you could just you know flips off of cars getting nailed with Ray Lewis and stuff like that. Uh, you got San Andreas. Yes. Junior mentioned Pokemon. Pokemon Red. Mario Kart. I don't know how we didn't mention Mario Kart at all. That's always a classic. Mario Kart is yeah, classic. I wasn't gonna say that or anything. Diddy Kong Racing is also a great like sister racing game. So, did anybody play this game? Drinking actually talked about it. Twisted Metal. Does anybody remember that game? No. It was... Yes. yes. With, with the ice cream truck and yes. the skull on top. Yes. Yep. And like, Gave me nightmares. PS2? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was... Was it everything? I think it was everything. What was it about? It was... You just had a... You had a car with guns and weapons on top, and it you just drive around. destroy the other cars, essentially, is what it yeah. came down to. Huh. Pretty vicious. I'd have to look into that one. Also, Vigilante 8 was like that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's... 
Drinking that knows drinking what I'm talking about. So ex- drinking that. I can't did, wait to get drinking on drinking this that, segment. Did you do? No, drinking's gonna drinking's gonna finish the segment. Drinking. Did you do anything except play video games? Because you were way too excited about this segment. I did not have any friends when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Has anything changed? <laughs> um. So another one. This is really low. I don't. Red Alert. Did anybody play that? The video game Red Alert. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're gonna pass that one up since nobody heard about it. Uh, the tycoon, zoo tycoon, roller coaster tycoon. Yeah, tycoon was good. And then would, and then also SSX, SSX tricky, the the snowboarding game. Okay. Well, since you guys pretty much named every game ever created, the pickings were slim. But I'm gonna start with a good cult classic, a little Crash Bandicoot. What if you guys ever heard of that one? Either. <laughs> Also, I liked uh, Kingdom Hearts too. Yes, we used to smack yes, on that. Yes, we did. Um, NBA Live 2005, I think. I think that's when they had like the pretty cool All Star Weekend where you could do like yeah, it was. the dunk contest. It was Mellow. Mellow was on the cover. Is it it might have been Mellow. I think Mellow was the Jason cover. Jason Richardson was the best for the dunk contest. Still is. Golden State was probably. Jason Richardson played Aaron for Davis? Golden State that year. I used but to I ball out with Jamal Tinsley <laughs> on the Indiana Pacers in 05, just dropping threes, just saying. Let's Breezy, see. continue. One, one of these games you guys probably never heard of, but it's called Mario Super Strikers. It's like essentially like one of the Mario games, but like it's soccer, and it's 5v5. It's pretty oh, no, dope. I do know what that is. It's yeah, on the GameCube, shout it. out. And also, since we're talking soccer, no one really mentioned FIFA. FIFA's a classic. I love getting my FIFA grind on. Oi, oi. Um... Let's see. Uh, Sonic? Yeah. Did anybody mention Sonic? No, Sonic. Sonic? That's a good one. Yeah, Sonic's, yeah. Sonic's the pretty dope. Big Sonic the Hedgehog guy. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some we left off the list, but... Drinking. Hey. We're putting you on the spot. Drinking. You think Welcome to the segment. Drop some knowledge on us. All right, so this might take 10 minutes. Uh, that's we got that's, two. That's really funny. <laughs> no, I, I just kind of wanted to go through, like, my favorite games for each console I had. So I had the Sega Genesis, obviously, was the first one I ever had. Uh, Sega! My favorite one was this game that my grandma bought me at a garage sale. It was NHL 93. Oh, NHL. That's actually a game that goes down in history. Yes. Uh, And on that one, uh, I also loved, like you said, Sonic. Uh, There was another one I couldn't think of. Triple Play Baseball on that one was also fantastic. Um, a, a console that you guys didn't uh, mention was the Sega Dreamcast, and I had that. So I that can't afford it. That was one of my favorites. I think it was a console ahead of its time. Uh, I had Sonic Adventure on that one, and that was like a more like you know better graphics and more of a storyline on that. I love that. Um, I also had the original 2K on Dreamcast, uh, which was amazing. Uh, so was it even 2K yet, or was it like? No, it was 2K. It was called NBA 2K. Oh, and so Alan, it was ex- Alan Iverson. It was 2000. Allen Iverson was the cover athlete of that one, uh, and that's also where the NFL 2K series started. It all started on Sega, um, even though they Sega. had them come out on the, the PlayStation later. That's what happened. Um, I loved anything from the SmackDown series, SmackDown, SmackDown, SmackDown 2, Know Your Roll. Uh, yeah, you know oh, your yeah. role. Uh, Just Bring It, number three. Uh, Shut Your Mouth, Here Comes the Pain, all that. Oh, yeah. It was all good. Uh, like you said, No Mercy was one of my favorite on N64. Uh, you can't forget any of the Mario's or the Mario parties. Um, you know, shooting games wise, I liked Gears of War. That was one of my favorites. Rainbow Six Vegas, as you mentioned, was another one of my favorites. Scott, you, you, I know this. You cannot, you you cannot talk about shooting games without mentioning Tom Clancy. Splinter Cell was another great Splinter one. Splinter Cell, yeah, yes, that was a fantastic. Yes, one. we just high five. I wish you could mm-hmm. see the excitement on these guys' faces yeah, right I, now. I'm about to go find Splinter Cell and play it this weekend. It was just That's so tactical. Just a Quarter or half chub right now, Spinny? Uh, uh, drinking. Do you remember Red Faction? Red Faction. I, I it sounds familiar. I'm gonna. It we're sounds gonna, like a communist we're gonna, game. We're gonna buy some goldfish, some Oreos. Bunch of soda pop and just stay up one night and play all of our faves. Just, just relive our childhood just real quick. Just me and you, dude. No one else is invited. Right. Sounds, sounds like a normal Saturday night for a drinking <laughs> night over here. Yeah, it's still what I only do. Uh, but yeah, Guitar Heroes, those were always fun to play. And uh, there's just so many sports games. NFL 2K5, my all-time favorite. That 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 I had to get that out there, Thank too. you, drinking. <laughs> and I'm done. Ladies and gentlemen, drinking ad coming at you live. Yeah, Joe, I'll take <gasps> another. I'll take another Bud Light. Yeah, to my lord, reggae bush. All right, folks, we're gonna spin over to the tribe because why? It's tribe.
time now. Because why? I have the tribe fever, my friends. So there was a stat dropped uh, this week by uh, Maddie Underwood, maybe Arch, not sure which one. But this is the first time since 1999 that we have three players on our rosters with 30-plus homers, uh, being Jose Ramirez leading the pack, Frankie Lindor, and Edwin just hit his 30th. The last time was in 1999 when Jim Tomey, Manny Ramirez, and fan favorite Richie Sexton, number 44, all hit 30 home runs. So the question I pose to the group is, would you rather roll into the World Series with the 90s dynasty or the current dynasty that we have built in the current mid-teen 2000s, whatever the proper term is? I'm going to start off with E. Breezy, who is the youngest one of the bunch here looking at me funny. I think he was in diapers. Right? Well, considering I was two years old, <laughs> I, I, just, I was actually four years old at the time, and I barely knew how to pick up and throw a baseball. So you're going to pass your microphone over to Ja D, who is going to chime in and talk about his take on the 1990s tribe versus the current day Tito boys. I would have to take today's roster, and I, I think – uh, our judgment gets clouded by this thing called nostalgia and looking back at it in the nineties. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a hell of a team. I mean, the, the city was all behind the Indians, but we also think back, to, you know, we tie memories to that team. You know, we're, we're growing up back then and, you know, for the longest time, idolized those guys wanted to be those guys growing up. I- exactly. No Browns around too. So True at, story. at that time, True that him. was, that was the True only soon. And, and and the Cavs, I mean, they were decent, you know, but the nineties was kind of was kind of a dead spot for Cleveland sports other than the Cleveland Indians. So we put those on a higher pedestal and I think we don't appreciate what the team is doing now. And I, I would definitely take today's team just because from a from a current roster standpoint, I saw a stat the other day, um, on Tuesday when we faced the uh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays. That was the Just the Rays. Race, just, just the, the sorry, they just the Rays. Just the Rays. We you talk about nineties, I'm going Tampa Bay. Um, just so, just the Rays right now. That was the only lineup that the Indians have had where there was an All Star in every position, whether it was a current All Star or a former All Star. But that was the only starting lineup that the Indians had that there was an All Star at every position. And I, I think that's something that you got to look at too. That's a good point, Matty Ice. Yeah, I'm gonna actually go with. I mean, if I could have to make a pick, I would pick this year's team over the '90s. And I think one reason alone is going to be starting pitching. Um, we always dream about, you know, Jim Tomey, you know, all the big bats in the 90s, but we Huge don't really talk bats. about the the pitching as much. It wasn't as strong. Um, I mean, you had Charles Nagy, you had Bartolo Colon. I mean, you had those guys, but Kluber is, you know, what is he, about to be a three-time Cy Young, possibly three-time. You have Bauer, you have Carrasco. This starting lineup was is way better pitching-wise than the 90s team. Um, I would say the 90s hitting's a little better but than this hitting, just a lot deeper. But overall, I would say I would rather have this team going into the World Series. We're going to take it back to Drinking Ed for another drunken thought. That's disrespectful to Oral Hershiser and Chad OJ and Mike Jackson and Eric Rookie Blanc, pitcher them. Jarrett Wright. Yeah, Jarrett Wright as well, exactly. Dwight Gooden, I, I feel El like Presidente, Dennis Martinez. Dennis Marti- well, Martinez was only around for 95. Jose Mesa, uh, who blew the lead. Jose Mesa was a great pass, uh, a great pitcher. Did you say Paul Ossemacher? I did not say Paul Ossemacher okay. yet, but he was a part of that. Um, I, I feel like there was more boom to the Indians lineup back then. They had Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey. Uh, of course, you have David Justice. That was a huge part of it. DJ 23. Uh, man, they, they, were, they were just stacked. And then defensively, you had Omar Vizquel up the middle. Uh, you know, like there was the one year they had Marquise Grissom in center field, and, and that was like in between the Kenny Lofton years. That was so random if you look back. But uh, I, I, I think I would still take the 97 team, uh, and it's not based on nostalgia. I think to whatever your Jody. name is. Jody, whatever. I've never met this guy in my life. Uh, I, I think to his point that he that we fall back on nostalgia. I think we fall back on what we've seen lately as well. So I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I think I would take the '90s teams. I really would. And I, I I think that's a good point too. You, you can you can fall back on nostalgia, or you can fall what I did on recency bias, and just because this is a team you're paying more attention to. So I, I think it's a really good debate. Oh, an excellent debate. 
gonna chime in now. I think the 1990 Cleveland Indians are one of the best teams of all time. Not 99, but 1990. 1995 team is one of the he best. You did say teams 1990 there, I think. I'm pretty sure you said 90. We're gonna run it back and check it out. I think the 1995 team is the best team in it, in top five in Major League history. They played a shortened season. I think like 30, 20, or 30 less games, and still won 100 games. But not only was we talk about that lineup being more hitter heavy, more power hitters. It was a different game back then. I do agree now that I think our roster from top to bottom is a little bit more complete, but I feel like the skill positions of that team were just more legendary. Um, so I am leaning a little bit more towards my 90s Indians. I think the batting order was just more complete. Um, I, I love the team we have today. I think the middle of our lineup is really good. Um, but those guys were consistent. They didn't take a day off. They didn't really have slumps. I mean, these guys were guys that hit homers day in, day out. The bullpen of the 90s goes overlooked, too. We had a stacked bullpen. Um, obviously, Jose Mesa goes down in Cleveland as, you know, not one of the heroes. But uh, uh, I, I thought it was a really good team. I think it, it, it's really splitting hairs. I think the starting pitching now um, is probably a little bit more complete than in the 90s. But, again, we did have some some studs at, at the front of those rotations. Wow, June, that's a pretty good memory for being four years old. Didn't even realize you were potty trained at that moment in time. Junior, let me ask you this. I think this would be a good way to look I'm at I'm a things. student of the game, so go fuck yourself. Could you, could you compare, say, this lineup now to those 90s teams? Like, who would be the Albert Bell of this team? Who would be, I don't know, the Paul Sorrento? Who would be the... Carlos Baerga, like, do you think that there's any similarities between those players in the actual lineup? That's a good question. Um, I, I think Lindor's like a Manny type player. I don't think we really. I mean, if you want to make comparisons with Edwin and Tommy, but I don't think you really. It's two different times of playing the game, so I think it's tough. Drinking guy, did you have anybody in mind, or were you just posing a question at me? Just a question. No, I think that's a fair question, tough question, but I think it's just too big of a generational gap. Different game now. Um, my my take. I mean, I personally take. just think we sound like those old guys that used to always be like back in my day, like the old team, you know, the old school team. Like the modern teams are never good enough, better than the teams that were in the past. I mean, I'm reading some stats right now. We were talking about this sick pitching rotation in 1995 juniors dream team charles Nagy had a 4.55 era it was a hit okay eras today did not exist in the 90s i'm not i don't understand what that meant it was a hitter's league we it was a way more hitters league. I, I that agree was with a that. steroid i agree era. with that but that's a, a four five five two run difference different eras different approaches it, that's just bullshit and i'm sure that they eyes. have these stats out here right now but i'd be very interested to see the analytics on those teams compared to the ones now and i think that they actually would provide you with some good information i think we need to revisit this and do some homework and come back homework. to homework closer to the playoffs breezy what are your thoughts on that my thoughts are, I think the 2070s are the GOAT. We had Franklin Gutierrez out in the outfield. Okay, J- you're cut JK. off. J- it was Next a joke, guys. I got I got one word for you, five letters. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Listen, I think you need to go to the local CVS pharmacy down the street and fill your prescription and for take some of, of those chill pills. pills. All right, but seriously, no, because I was only four years old, and unlike you, my four-year-old memory wasn't the best. I'm four years older than you, so I would have been eight. Well, to be fair, you talked about 95. I'm going to talk about 99. Okay, well, I was so. a student of the game. I, All I right, guys, I, I have some stats here. 2018 runs per game by the an average in the league, 4.44 runs per game. 1995, 4.85 Nobody wants to hear your stupid-ass stats, Ice. So, therefore, ERA is completely relevant. I do find it funny that you're defending the team now that you constantly rip. Yeah, I'm critical. So, I, I think – so, there's a lot of hot takes right now. Um, I think the one argument or the one question that we should pose is if you had the all-star team from 95 or 99 or just the 90s in general – versus the all-star team right now, if they were to face off against each other and your life depended on it, who are you betting on to win that game, Junior? If I'm picking the 
full 90s all-star Indians team versus the two th- like 2010-plus Indians team, rolling all day with the 90s. Yeah, I'm going to go with 90s, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have a choice but to go with the 90s. All right. I think that's a good way to end this segment for today. So this last segment, we're going to have a little fun as you guys start to follow our show. You know, I know today we got pretty big into the sports, good debate, uh, but we're funny guys. We like to let loose. Let's talk about one of our segments, what grinds your gears. So, Matty Ice, how about you tell us something that grinds? All right, so one of the things that really grinds my gears is going to be the etiquette of holding doors for someone. It can be either way. So – the other day I was out at the mall, right? And I'm over here holding this door for this lady. She's on her cell phone. She's about, I don't know, you know, 20 to 30 feet away. I'm holding the door for her. She's texting, doesn't even know I'm holding the door for her. Just walks right by, doesn't speed up, just walks and doesn't even say thank you. Meanwhile, I'm over here freaking the hell out saying, you can at least say thank you for, you know, thank you to me for holding the door. But at the same time, you can also go the opposite way. You know, I work downtown Cleveland, um, you know, where it gets really cold, except down Euclid Avenue where it's going to be wind gusts like no other. So people are pretty friendly about holding the door. The problem that I have is when somebody holds the door when you're about 100 yards away, you know, like not really 100, I'm being exaggerating about that, but about 50 yards away, and you feel that you need a speed walk, you know, to the door. So I, you know, here's me, somebody's opened the door for me and I have to speed walk from about 25, 50 yards away. That's just something that grinds my gears, etiquettes of, you know, holding the door for someone. I like that one. I can agree with that. I don't know anyone who's ever held the door for me 50 yards away, but I think we've all been in that awkward situation where it's like, shoot, I got to speed up. And then, yeah, I also always holding doors open. And I think thank you goes a long way, how you could judge someone else's character or if they're just a, you know, POS piece of shit. Right, right. All right, I'm going to go on my rant because Maddie Ice just got my blood going. I'm ready to just drop this. I uh, got a couple weddings coming up. Wedding SZN. Uh, you know, looking forward to that. So what grinds my gears is, you know, got your wedding coming up, dressed to the nines, want to look good, want to look good for that IG photo, get those likes. You go to the reception. You're at the open bar. You get your Tito Sprite, a little bit of line. You get another Tito Sprite, a little bit of lime, because you always double fist at a wedding. That's just a fact. You turn to your right to approach your table. In your path, you see douchebag number one wearing jeans. Who the heck wears jeans to a wedding reception? And I swear, it's always, you know, the cousin of the bride's date that she brought to the wedding, doesn't have any relation to the wedding, and he just being a chotch ball wearing jeans. Um, so that's, I, I feel like it's something I'm seeing that's increasing over the years. I don't know if tradition's out the door or if people are just trying to be like Justin Bieber at weddings. I don't know, but it ticks me off, especially when I'm trying to look nice. Balls to the wall, baby. Oh yeah. Breezy, why don't you tell us about what grinds your gears? All right. Honestly, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that one up, so I'll keep mine short and sweet. But what really grinds my gears is when you're standing in an elevator with someone else. When I say someone else, I mean I thought you were just gonna end there, dude. I was like, oh nice. (laughs) Me too. Get out. Get out. When I say someone else, I mean just some random stranger. You go in the elevator and of course you're going up twenty five floors or something like that. And you hit the button and then you ask them, Yo, what floor do you want? And they just ignore you and then you have to politely ask again, Oh, excuse me, ma'am, what floor do you want? Oh, twenty four. But anyway, so you're just standing there and you're just like do I converse? Like, do I have to talk to this person? I'm not sure what to do with my hands. It's a bit awkward. And then they're just staring at their phone the whole time, and you just stand there figuring out what to say. Then at the end, you just give them a little, take care, have a nice day. Oh, you got to love the little awkward at the end. Don't talk the whole time, then have a good evening. But my, my whole thing is talking about etiquette. What's the etiquette for leaving the elevator first? Do you leave first? Do you let them leave first? Is it who got in the elevator first leaves first? Yeah, that that has- plays right into it. It's just like, do I just stand there, hold the door open for them? Again, not sure to do with my hands. You know, you just, you hate to see it. You really do. Drinking Ed, I know you're a special guest. Just want to give you a quick shout out for, you know, dropping some knowledge on us today, being a part of the show. I know you'll be back soon, but do you have anything that got on your gears? I know you didn't do your homework. He's nodding his head. Yes. Love it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, making us all drunk today, drinking Edward. I'll tell you what, I got a two for one special, all right? 
So, number one. You guys ever go on dating apps and uh, a little bit ago get matches, okay? Listen. You get matches and you're having some freaking conversation with with a strange woman that you've never met before. And it goes through for about I'd say a day or two, maybe maximum two. So, what happens when you're, you know, starting to make a connection? You're supposed to be getting a number or something, right? You know what I freaking get? I get unmatched. Okay? <laughs> I get unmatched. So why would you match with me in the first place if you're going to unmatch me two seconds later? Is it because I'm ugly? Is it because I'm not interesting? Eddie, you're not ugly, man. Just don't, just don't match with me if you're not going to follow through with freaking conversation. I don't know, Eddie. I think you got a face only a mother could love. I appreciate that, Breezy. Thank you very much. I'm not done. Okay, number two. Texting somebody and they leave you on a damn cliffhanger for two days. Okay, are you ever talking to somebody when you're in the middle of a conversation? I don't know what it's about. It could be about the Browns game, could be about dating, could be about whatever. And somebody else is texting you. And you're, you're like, you leave on a question. You're asking them, you know, what happened? And you don't get a damn response the rest of the day. The next day goes by, you don't get a response. Maybe the next day goes by, you don't get a response. And then all of a sudden, you get a, te- you get a text back. And it's like, really? There's no way you did not see me ask you this question or didn't resume this conversation for no reason. So that's what grinds my gears. I'm done. Drinking Ed. And for those lady listeners out there, the very few, serious inquiries only. Drinking Ed is single. We'll make it work. Just call me Hitch. And for the reason of Drinking Ed being single and potentially sober, that's why it's always cloudy and clean.